Hi, everybody. I am Peter Travers, and welcome to this special edition of Popcorn, which is my 2021 fall movie preview. I, I know you're excited about it because it's fall. People, are they want to see things. And, you know, I want to speak about how Hollywood defines fall. That to them, it's like Labor Day weekend to the very last day of the year. Because in Hollywood speak, that gives them a chance to poke us, to prod us and pressure us to defy COVID and all its variants and get back to the movies in person. Look, we all want to do that. I want to do that. You want to do that. But look, it's tough. And it's up to you to decide what's safe for you and your family, you know. But it's up to Hollywood to provide the movies that we can't resist, that it will make us want to go back to the movies. And the good news is things are looking pretty, pretty good, as Larry David would say. Here are the fall movies that just might deliver on that promise. First out of the gate for this fall is a movie called Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It's a Marvel movie and Marvel finally deciding to have an Asian hero in its movie. That's a long time coming. And when you see it, you're going to see a story that is modern in touch because this guy uh, who's played by Simu Liu, he is in really fierce fighting form but his father, who's played by the great Tony Lung, is an immortal. And he doesn't want him to do what he's doing, which is parking cars in a San Francisco hotel and hanging out with Aquafina. You get what I mean? It's the martial arts that makes this a must see. Okay, next up is The Power of the Dog. As everybody knows, especially a critic, which is me, that September is the month where there are film festivals everywhere, from Venice and Telluride to Toronto and New York. And the one film to rule them all is The Power of the Dark. It's a Western set in 1925 Montana and a New Zealand filmmaker, Jane Campion, who did The Piano as the director. It's her first movie in 12 years. Expect real awards bus around Benedict Cumberbatch, who's playing a brutal acid-tongued rancher who gets tensions going in, in a blaze when his brother brings home a new bride and everything goes crazy and berserk. This film... It sets nature's beauty against toxic masculinity. These are two themes that are really hot these days. Next up, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Jessica Chastain goes all in on this. She spackles on the eyelashes and the makeup to play Tammy Faye Baker, the late televangelist who turned her Christian news program into a profitable industry until a sex scandal involving her first husband, Jim Baker, played by Andrew Garfield. Uh, just brought the whole house of cards down. You know, Jessica Chastain has said that she wanted this movie to be a corrective to Tammy's image as a joke, noting that it's not fair, and this is a direct quote from her, to punish Tammy for all the mistakes of her husband, which all throughout history, women have been atoning for the sins of men. Next up, The Tragedy of Macbeth. It's from Joel Cohen. His wife stars in it as Lady Macbeth. And who is Shakespeare's Macbeth? Denzel Washington. So who isn't going to really want to see this? Next up, Cry Macho. Now, this is Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood is now 91 years old. Let that sink in for a minute. And he's still showing what Macho is by directing, producing, and starring in this action movie that he first thought of doing back in 1975. And Eastwood stars as a washed-up rodeo star who is hired by a Texas rancher to get his son out of trouble in Mexico. You can pity anyone who gets in Clint's way. Clint, how does he do it? That's what you're going to look at that. And that's what you're going to say. 
All right, now we have a musical, Dear Evan Hansen, with Ben Platt repeating his brilliant Broadway musical role that won him a Tony. He was the youngest ever to win it. And he played a teen who lies about his friendship with a classmate who killed himself. Some claim that uh, Platt at 27 is now too old to play Evan. You know, come on, John Travolta was almost the same age when he did Grease, the same with James Dean when he did Rebel Without a Cause. What matters is preserving the humanity and heart of a great performance on screen. Oh, and this one fascinates me. It's called The Many Saints of Newark. And what it is, is a movie prequel to The Sopranos. I know, how is that possible? It's possible because Tony Soprano returned here as a teenager in the person of Michael Gandolfini, the lookalike 28-year-old son of the late James Gandolfini, who won three Emmys for playing the New Jersey mobster. He'd never seen his father as Tony, never. His father thought it might be too violent to show it to him. And Michael admits that catching up with the whole deal was traumatic. It was really hard to watch my dad, he said, but he wants to do him proud. And I think we should all be there to see how he does. Now, no time for die. I think you've heard me talk about this movie, which represents Daniel Craig's fifth and final time as James Bond. I think I previewed it last summer as a summer movie and last fall as a fall movie. This fall, it is actually coming out. And except for Sean Connery, no one has done Bond better. That's my opinion. Got Phoebe Waller-Bridge working on the script. Rami Malek is the villain. And Grammy's darling, Billie Eilish, who wrote and sings the title song, has said, and I quote, the Bond series is the coolest film franchise ever to exist. Any arguments? I didn't think so. No, I agree. Okay, now we have Halloween Kills. Horror history was made back in 2018 when Jamie Lee Curtis joined forces with director David Gordon Green to do the one true sequel to John Carpenter's game-changing 1978 Halloween. And now Curtis is back as Laurie Strode, the babysitter turned bloody grandma to really end Michael. You know, not so fast. Another sequel, Halloween Ends, opens next fall. But in the end, who cares? We'll never get tired of seeing Jamie Lee Curtis wage war on toxic masculinity. Now we have The Last Duel. This is Matt Damon and Ben Affleck teaming up as actors and screenwriters for the first time since their 1997 Oscar-winning Goodwill Hunting. Directed by Ridley Scott, The Last Duel is a 14th century historical drama about the last legally sanctioned duel in France. Damon plays the knight whose wife, played by Jodie Comer, accuses their best friend, played by Adam Driver, of raping her. And Affleck plays a count who intervenes in the duel and intervening in the script is filmmaker Nicole Holofcener, who wrote the scenes in the movie in which women have the dialogue. Damon and Affleck wrote the scenes for the men. Now we have the first huge drop everything and see it epic, which is Dune. Can a cinema poet like Denis Villeneuve, who did Blade Runner 2049, can he cut his way through that thicket of futuristic sci-fi of Frank Herbert's jaw-dropping novel, Dune? The buzz is that Denis Villeneuve has carved this book into a visionary classic with Timothy Chalamet starring as the boy who is going to take over for his father with a spice by discovering and finding the spice that can control the world. Good luck to everybody on this. I can't wait to see it. 
Next, we have The French Dispatch. You know, movies were invented for creative filmmakers like Wes Anderson to paint with. Well, now the Texas Virtuoso delivers The French Dispatch. It's about an American weekly magazine that's published in a fictional French city. Anderson's cast of regulars, including Bill Murray and Francis McDormand, are joined by newcomers, Timothy Chalamet and Elizabeth Moss. And it can bring his wry humor and generous heart to what Anderson calls his love letter to the journalist. Hey, we need a little love. Next up, Eternals. Eternals is like such a big deal in so many ways because it is breaking a lot of barriers. Chloe Zhao, who did Nomadland, had just won the Oscar and she did it with a small scale indie triumph. This is nothing like Nomadland. This is a Marvel epic and the plot pivots around an immortal alien race who emerged from hiding after 7,000 years to protect the earth from its enemies. Zhao gathered a diverse cast headed by Gemma Chan, Kumail Nanjiani, and Salma Hayek with Brian Tyree Henry and Lauren Ridloff playing respectively the first gay and deaf superheroes in the MCU. Marvel business as usual, not this one. All right, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Reaction was ecstatic in August when CinemaCon previewed this sequel to the Ghostbusters hits of 1984 and 1989. Jason Reitman, the son of original director Ivan Reitman, directs this story of a single mother played by Carrie Coon and her two kids who move to a rickety Oklahoma farmhouse and discover a family connection to ectoplasm. But here's the thing, I'd slime anyone who isn't stoked to see Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Ernie Hudson come back, even if it's for just cameos, to the ghost-busting business. I don't know. Nostalgia? I'm guilty of it. Here we have Tick, Tick, Boom. How do you measure a life? That's the question. In this film directing debut, Hamilton's own Lin-Manuel Miranda, adapting the stage musical from Jonathan Larson about the life of Jonathan Larson, whose landmark rock opera Rent opened two weeks before he died at age 35 of an aortic aneurysm. The film catches Larson, played by the vibrantly versatile Andrew Garfield, racing the cock to hit it big before he's 30. It's a self-portrait etched in joy and sorrow. Miranda knows the global adulation that Larson never lived to enjoy. And this tributes one from the heart. Oh, and here's a, a, a real risk being taken here in a movie called King Richard. Will Smith takes on what could be the role of his career as Richard Williams, the father and coach of tennis champs Venus and Serena Williams. He's known as a loving dad and a shrewd dealmaker, but King Richard has also been criticized for being controlling and manipulative. It's up to the former Fresh Prince to blend these tender and tyrannical contradictions into a relatable and unforgettable character. Can Will Smith do it? I'm betting on him. Now, House of Gucci. You know, remember that Oscar Lady Gaga should have won Four Stars Born? Well, the smart money says that she has it in the bag for playing Patrizia Reggiani, who was convicted of arranging the assassination of her ex-husband, fashion icon Maurizio Gucci, played by Adam Driver. Director Ridley Scott awfully handled the scandals of the J. Paul Getty family in All the Money in the World recently, which suggests we're all in for something equally decadent and delicious. We're all always up to that, right? Oh, here's another one you just can't believe. It's called Don't Look Up. 
you know, talk about star power. Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence team up to play unknown astronomers who go on a media tour, they're just everywhere, to convince the world that a killer asteroid is about to obliterate the Earth. It's comedy. Okay, this one again, I'm back to this. I feel like I'm repeating myself. West Side Story, wasn't that supposed to be a year ago in the summer or a year ago in the fall? Yes, it was. But now it's here. They say no matter what COVID variant pops up, we're going to see this one. And for those who love the 1961 movie classic, even the idea of a remake, it seems like sacrilege. Steven Spielberg thinks differently. He thinks ethically diverse casting will energize the war between the Puerto Rican sharks and the white boy jets. The new Maria, Rachel Zegler, whose mother is Colombian, she can power through her duets with Ansel Elgar's Tony with no fear. The songs are the same. They're intact. Leonard Bernstein, Stephen Sondheim, nobody's touching them. Though it still shakes me that they replace the irreplaceable choreography of Jerome Robbins. How do you do that? I mean, that's just, oh. Tony Kushner, the Pulitzer Prize winner who wrote the script, says that his script now goes back to the original stage production, which is a grittier take on urban life in the 50s. I can buy that. All right. A journal for Jordan being directed by Denzel Washington, Michael B. George, is playing Sergeant Charles M. King in this kind of stirring true story. King himself was killed in action near Baghdad, and he kept a journal of advice for his infant son, Jordan still sadly timely. And with these two doing it, this is something special. This is what's going to wrap up the year. Spider-Man, No Way Home. And since Spidey's secret identity as Peter Parker was revealed in the last movie, the catch now is getting Doctor Strange to create a case of global amnesia so that nobody will actually know who he is again. The trailer also raises the possibility that Spidey's enemies, all of the Sinister Six, might show up in this one movie along with the previous web slingers, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Look, it doesn't hurt to dream. So here's to the best of fall and to all future seasons without pandemic restrictions. I look at you and I say it, movies forever.